please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called for the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of God. Thanks, Calvin. Really appreciate that. Um, I'm just going to turn it this way just in case. All right, here we go. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jerry. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it is a privilege to be here on this very snowy Christmas morning. Welcome to all those who are visiting. It's so great to have you here with us this morning to the Shore Church. Uh, warm welcome to you as we celebrate this new year of 2022. Uh, so great to have all the kids with us this morning as well. So if you've got coloring uh, boards or whatever, papers back in the back there, if you want to grab one of those, if you're a parent, if you have not checked in with your kids yet. Uh, and also, if you are new here, if you're new uh, to this church, we have Bibles in the back on the table, and we will be uh, going through a piece of scripture this morning. So please go feel free to grab one of those Bibles. It is our gift to you this morning. So let me just get my uh, clock all set up here. Well, um, <clears throat> let me get started here. Well, I, along with you, uh, in this uh, year of 2020, 2022, it's even hard to say. There's a lot of twos in there. Um, would never have thought COVID and the ongoing shifting sand of protocols would have been going on this long, but here we are. Uh, before we get into the text this morning, which is very timely, please bear with me as I have a few comments as your lead pastor. Um, for you as the body, I'm thankful for your ongoing care and concern in handling these ever-changing times. It has been tough and very tough on all of us. Um, first, I want to address community groups. Community groups we've been uh, preparing and wanting to launch coming this January, but yet we're actually going to push them back for one more month, and we're going to start them in uh, right at the beginning of February for further training. And so in the meantime, as, I'm not sure if you remember, but in the meantime, I challenged all of us as a church in September to really go out and meet one another. Uh, tap each other on the shoulder and go for coffee, go for walks in the snow or whatever it might be, and get to know each other. Uh, get to know each other's stories and how you got to this place right today in this neighborhood. And uh, pray for one another. Pray for one another is the church and as we can practice loving one another. And we're going to hear about, more about that in our text uh, this morning. And secondly, I'm just going to read this so I don't go off notes and it doesn't take too long. But secondly, we as elders have not said much in regards to COVID because Jesus is what we are called to preach and to teach here. Uh, that we're called and mandated by the word of God to preach and teach about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. Um, and not essentially government guidelines. But because of our time and the length this, that this is going on, we as elders are feeling that we need to begin to address some of these things now 
and in time we will hit some of the other things our communities are dealing with. But let me address really quickly, and I've actually talked about this before in different sermons along the way as we've been battling through this together. Um, let me address uh, mass quickly today, and we will hit more in the weeks to come as a church, as a family, as a welcoming, welcoming community. Um, like I said, I've said this before, the last thing I want is you to be uh, asked if you have a mask as you walk through the door, but actually, what is your name? That's what I want the first question to be. What is your name? Who are you? How are you doing? Welcome here. That ought to be the first question we receive as a church. So what we will no longer do, as we all know, the government has mandated masks for churches, and we have masks back there. If you need a mask, you can grab one for yourself. Um, uh, since we've been in this for two years now, everybody knows the rules. We are trusting everyone's individual reasoning and decision to wear a mask or not wear a mask. We're trusting each other in that. We will need to trust one another in this, and what we will no longer do as the church is judge, wrongly assume, divide, or treat differently over the wearing or not wearing of a mask. So if someone joins us on a Sunday, we will not enforce or police them, but simply greet them as if they were a child of God, which they are. What we, now ha what we know hasn't changed. All people are welcome here at the shore, and we are mandated by God to love others, regardless of their personal convictions or something so secondary as a mask. So I hope that makes sense and that we as a church can love each other in our differences, as this will most likely not be the last thing that threatens to divide us as the church. And it's so simple, right? A mask. It shouldn't divide us. It shouldn't divide us. So let me pray, and then we'll get into our text in Ephesians, death to life. Really excited about this text, but I wanted to speak into that. We've actually are developing a team to study and talk about things of this uh, nature um, and we're going to be discussing this and bringing possibly some results at the end of this month. But let me pray for us um, and then get into this text, which we're mandated to talk about. Jesus, thank you so much for your love for us. Uh, thank you even for those songs that have set up this text so beautifully. Um, thank you that you are our Savior, that you've come to pay the penalty of our sin, that we might stand righteous before you. Um, I thank you for Ephesians uh, in this letter to the Ephesus church that Paul wrote many, many years ago that continues to speak into our lives and our hearts today. Please uh, use me despite me. Take my words and use them and touch the hearts of those that are listening and affects change, Lord. And we pray for those kids as well. The kids that are in this room, may they fall deeply in love with you, Jesus, as they're, as you're, as, that they will confess you as Lord and Savior of their life and devote their life to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can see by the slide, we're back in Ephesians, death to life. And, and if you've missed the kind of the first three chapters of this amazing book in Ephesians, uh, you've missed the wealth of the gospel. That was part one, the wealth of the gospel. We're into part two. You can see on the bottom of the screen there, the walk of the gospel. And that's what four through five is. And then we're going to get into chapter six, and that is the warfare. 
But this is an amazing book, and, and it's just jam-packed with goodness. And like chapters 1 through 3, and we're going to get a little bit of a review for us so we can all be aware and reminded of all the good things that we've studied over the last couple months. And in these first three chapters, Paul really uh, bombards us with these indicatives, these truths that cannot change, and that is the wealth. These indicatives that don't change are immovable, and now we're going to hit 40, get this, 40 imperatives in chapters 4 through 6. So 4 through 6 has 40 imperatives, things, action steps to do, and it's vitally important that we go back and look really quickly over what we've discovered in chapters 1 through 3. Because if we just jump into chapter 4 without remembering all we discovered in chapters 1 through 3, it will feel like a massive do list that we will feel incompetent of fulfilling and will turn into all kinds of different things like legalistic and self-righteous and all these dangers that we come and I'm going to hit that a little bit later on. So it's super important to go into this remembering the comforts and the goodness of the gospel. The comfort, essentially the wealth and the indicatives, the things that do not change. So take a look at this diagram I've got on the screen here. Uh, really quickly, this is a diagram that I got actually from Paul Tripp. He's a pastor, preacher, teacher, uh, author, and one of his books, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands, which is a great book. Recommend that highly. But this is the diagram in this book. It doesn't look exactly like this. This is kind of my version of this. Uh, but on the right side, you get the comforts of the gospel. And on the left side, you get the call of the gospel. And that is like essentially like a teeter-totter. You need both sides of the gospel to have a balanced understanding of the good news of Jesus. You need the comforts of the gospel, which will kind of be this side of the pulpit. And then you've got the call side of the gospel on this side. And we teeter-totter to back and forth of these. And so we're going to hit, and I'm going to remind you of all the comforts, the indicatives, the truths that do not change, that are immovable. And we're going to discuss those really quickly. You guys ready? It's going to be an overload of information. All right? So hold on. Here we go. Let's hit that slide. So these are the things that we get. We are found in his will, chapters 1, verse 1. We are identified as a saint. We are given grace and peace. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. These are all things that you have not done on your own. All right? This is all gifts of God. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are chosen by God before creation. We are made holy and blameless. We are predestined. We are adopted. We are given purpose. We are blessed. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. We are covered in grace. We are united in him. We are given an eternal inheritance. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are given wisdom, knowledge, revelation. We are enlightened, given hope, and we are called. We are given his power. We are given mercy. He has made us alive. He has raised us up with Jesus and will seat us with him on his throne. That is awesome. Okay, that is 22. Let me continue to 36 of them. We are given immeasurable riches and grace. We are given grace as a gift from God. We are his workmanship and given good works to accomplish. We are brought near by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has broken down the wall of hostility between him and us. We have been given access through Jesus to the Father. We no longer are strangers but heirs of the household of God. 
we are being built into a temple for him. We are being built into a temple for God to dwell. We are fellow heirs, partakers of the promises of God. We now have boldness and access to the throne of God by way of Jesus. We are strengthened with power by his spirit. We are being rooted and grounded in love. We are given strength to comprehend how big God is. And we are filled with the fullness of God. These are the comforts of the gospel. These are all things that he has gifted to us as his saints, as his people, as his creation, as his children. That's who God is. He's given us all of these things. And I've just listed 36, and there's many, many more. 36 things, 36 indicatives that do not change. No matter how you want them to change, they will not change. They are truths that are firm foundation in Jesus Christ. So it is so important not to forget these truths as we start going down chapters 4, 5, and 6. Because we're going to sit over here in the call side for a while. And so it's really important not to forget what's going on over here into the comforts of the gospel. So let's look at our text in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So keep that on the screen for a bit. All right, we could not accomplish the 40 imperatives that are coming our way. Right? There is one imperative in chapters 1 through 3. One. Forty are coming. Right? There's no way we can, we can accomplish the 40 imperatives without the love of God the Father, the Son, saving us, Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross for our sin, for the penalty that we deserve, bestowing upon us all of his righteousness so that we can be free, that we can attain all of these comforts of the gospel. And the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. This is the therefore of 4.1. I therefore, based on these things, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, urge you, urge you. And this is bringing up into our first point, how we walk. Like how we walk. And I've got three points for us. We're going to get how we walk, manner in which we walk, and then why we walk. All right, so number one point is how we walk. Again, this verse, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So urgency is a word that means to encourage a response to action. Or encourage a response to action. I'm not sure if you guys remember, but I challenged all of us. We should always be changed. We're always being changed from one degree of the ne- to the next. It says that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And so when we leave this gym, we should be changed people. We come to gather as a community together to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to love on one another, and then to leave this gymnasium and to be the church in the community and to change for the sake of change. And so if we're not being changed, there's something wrong. Right? So the sadness, as I was looking through this, as I was prepping over this, some of you have, have come to know Jesus. Some of you have even been baptized. But yet you haven't changed. There is no growth. There is no action. There's a complacency in your heart. In your disposition to go to church, it's like, uh, 
again? Sunday already? I have to go again? I have to read my Bible? Don't really want to read it anymore? There's a complacency. And that's so sad for me because of all the things that you've been given. All the things that we've been offered. And this is the urgency, the urgency to fulfill and be, have a worthy calling now based on these things. Not because I'm just telling you to read your Bible, but because God has gifted you all these things. Now we have a worth in us. Now we stand righteous before God the Father, and we have a call to unite, be united in his kingdom, in his eternal family. This is who we are. We have an urgency to fulfill the worthy calling of now being identified as a saint of Christ and now to call all to him. All to him, because that's the story of Ephesians, right? Is that God is setting up, making you holy and blameless to invite you back into his eternal family. This is the story of Ephesians. God wants to unite you back into his family. He wants to bring you back, and he's done that through the way of Jesus Christ on the cross. So this is the story. We urgently, worthy calling. We walk in these things, and we respond in this. I don't know about you guys, but can you imagine for a moment? Let's use our imaginations, children. Can you imagine for a moment with me? Like what church would be like if we urgently remembered our worth and who he is, who he's created us to be, and followed our calling of uniting everybody back into his family. Can you imagine what that might look like? Like we would legitimately love each other. Like legitimately love each other. Like and want to spend time with each other. Like when a community event is happening, like if you're signed up for the newsletter, you've seen the next community event is the end of Fe or end of January, and we're going tubing. All right, how fun is that? All right, who doesn't want to go tubing? Right, this is the church. We we want to gather together. You can't you you can't wait to be with one another. You legitimately love one another. Like you go what you're going tubing? Let's go. Can I bring some friends? Absolutely. Let's go. Even if you don't want to go tubing because you're sore and your body hurts like mine, you bring a, a Yeti cup that you got for Christmas, you know those sweet Yeti cups, right? And if you didn't get one, maybe the next point will help you get one, all right? And you get this hot drink in there and you watch all the kids tubing down the hill. And you go, okay, who's, whose kid is that? Oh, that's the parent. Okay, awesome. I'm going to go get to know them because you legitimately love them. Can you imagine that? Like, think of that. Can you imagine that happening? We would hate evil. Like, we would hate it. Like, if someone was in sin, like living in sin here in the church, and you found out, you go, oh, man, I hate that. I need to go talk to them and love them and gently come alongside them and go, man, I found out this. Can I just speak into I love you. Can I pray for you? Because I legitimately love you and I hate this evil, this sin, because it's going against all the comforts of the gospel. Can you imagine calling each other out and loving each other in those moments? We would have, we would hold fast to good things. We'd like literally hold fast to good things. Like I can't wait to read my Bible in the morning. 
Hey, Dad, can you do this? No, I'm going to read my Bible first, and then we'll do that, okay, as a family together? All right? Why don't you come and sit with me, and we'll read this together? Because I'm holding fast to something that is good. I don't want to mess with that. And I'm going to teach my kids to do the same. Can you imagine that? Legitimately loving each other, hating evil, holding fast to what is good. We would love with deep brotherly affection. Like deep brotherly affection. Can you imagine that? Like looking at each other as if they're your brother or your sister in Christ. This would be so sweet to come to church. It would be so sweet to be a part of this community if we loved each other like that. What about this one? And I'm not making these up. All right, This isn't Romans 12, 9 through 21, markers of a Christian. You can write it down. Romans 12, 9 through 21, read them. There's, I think, 23 markers of a Christian. I'm just taking some out. All right, We would make loving each other a competition. Can you imagine that? Make, loving each other like, oh man, remember that time you paid for my meal when I was sick and you brought some food over? I'm paying for your whole month worth of groceries. Oh yeah, you think so? I'm going to pay for your gas for the next year. Oh, is that right? Well, I'm going to mow your lawn and clean your gutters and, and make sure that all your neighbors love you. All right? And you just make this thing a competition. I'm going to up you. I'm going to love you because I legitimately love you. I hold fast to what is good. I hate what is evil. And man, I just love you so much. I want to make this a competition. We would show honor to each other in front of others. You'd show honor in front of others. Like how Tracy did such an amazing job with the kids. Remember kids at Christmas Eve, you guys were up here with your angel wings and, and your crazy house coats and tea towels on your head being shepherds and, and wise men. And Tracy did such a great job on that and organizing the costumes and organizing the stage and, and having that all run out and going through practices and you guys did such an amazing job. Can you imagine showing honor in front of other people and building someone else up like that? Or what about Sandra? Sandra's amazing. She's the quiet one that's kind of behind the scenes that's on our admin staff. And she helps out in kids and helps out on the welcome desk and helps out pretty much everywhere. And she's killing it. And what about Jordan? Besides the fact that he's already got his redeemed body, <laughs> which is a little disappointing, uh, he's also now a father of a child, a little baby boy. Man, he's so cute, but Jordan's killing it. He's preaching and teaching and walking with the youth. Speaking of youth, what about guys like Tristan back there? He's back there like 99% of the time. I think he's back. I have never not seen Jordan or Tristan back there. Tristan is back there every single Sunday unless he's on a youth retreat. That's the only Sunday he's missed since I've been here. And I'm sure he was there all the time, right? He does the slides for us every single week. Besides playing volleyball and getting his homework done, Tristan's a rock star. What about Dale, one of your elders? He's gone through a ton 
this season. Personally, he's gone through a lot. He's hold, held the reins of this ministry since it started. And man, we can come alongside him and help. And love on him and say, man, thank you so much for standing true to the word of God and standing firm on the foundations of Jesus. Even through all the midst of trials and suffering and ridicule. Could you imagine loving each other like that? That's, a, that's why I want you to go out for coffee and get to know each other. Too many people already have said, you know, I've been here for five months and too many people have come up to me and go, Jerry, I've been here for six years and you know more people than me. That's a problem. It's a problem. We need to start getting to know one another so that we can encourage one another and honor one another in front of others. Wouldn't you be excited for Jesus' church if we lived like that? Not because it's a rule thing, but because it's the comfort of the gospel. And we live out of it with urgency and the worth that we've been called to for the sake of another. Not because of me, because of another. Because of Jesus and what he has done for me. Well, this leads me this is my second point. This is verses 2 and 3. You can see it on the screen. This is manner we walk, and this is where we get into those massive amounts of imperatives. And we, get, we just uh, start here. Um, again, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How? With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Friends, we are called to walk with humility. That is literally putting yourself lower than another. This is the call we are called to based on this, the comforts of the gospel, the 36 comforts of the gospel. We are now called to walk in humility. Not to think more highly of yourself, but to raise others up. This is putting another before yourself. This is serving without being asked, thinking of others' physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual needs before your own. This is waking up and preparing yourself to be and act as a servant rather than one that is served. I'm going to wake up this morning and I'm going to serve people rather than being served. Do you think of us like that? Maybe you kids, right? When you wake up, you see some dishes on the counter, you go, man, I could put those in the dishwasher. I'm going to serve my mom and dad this morning. I, I want to see if I can make my bed before my parents tell me to make my bed. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for me. Not because of his do list. Because of all the things that Jesus has offered me. That's why I'm doing it. Secondly, we walk in gentleness. The idea of gentleness is more than the physical. Unfortunately, we all have been beaten down verbally, mentally, and spiritually. See, no matter what age, what age words, words are a powerful thing, right? Like, I don't know about you, if you have a story like this, I'm sure you do, but I remember when I was in grade two, long time ago, Standing by, literally I can remember the whole scene. Standing by the tetherball. You guys know what tetherball is? You little 
It's the weirdest game, a ball on the end of a rope, and you just fling it around and knock people in the head. It's the weirdest game in the world. I remember standing there, and a girl in my grade two class comes up to me and, and s- calls me a name and bugs me about my jacket that I was wearing. There is no way that she remembers this. There's no way. Why in the world do I remember it 42 years later? It's crazy. Words are a powerful thing. They do deep damage, and we can, we can, we can do damage with, to one another as well when we don't walk in the call that we're being called to. See, gentleness must be practiced in the physical, but we cannot forget what damage ungentle words can bring verbally and emotionally. See, the biggest damage one can go through when there is a failure in gentleness is spiritual damage. See, spiritual damage is huge because we are spiritual people. It is part of our core that hits all aspects of our being. So when damaged in this way, we are affected deeply. And there are some here that have been affected spiritually, and we need to walk with gentleness with each of them. So you can see gentleness is a calling we all share and must practice regularly. How are you doing being gentle? Have you shared some words this last week that have been ungentle, that have been hurting, that have been with an evil hidden motivation in your heart? I know I have. Kids, you have, uh, have you said some mean things to your siblings, to your sisters or your brother? Remember, this is an urgent calling by God. We practice it, remembering our worth is found in Him with the goal of unity and peace in Christ in mind. What about patience? Right? Have you ever sought to love others that may not be your favorite person? Just sinking to love them? I remember I used to work in construction. I had, like, I was a carpenter, so I got my tool belt on, and, and there was this one guy at work that just drove me crazy. And this was the hardest thing for me to do, to, for me to practice. Because just by, just, you know, just looking at him drove me nuts. And I had to practice patience with this guy all the time because he knew everything. And I had to practice patience and to love him as Jesus loved me because I'm sure if Jesus looked at me, I can't imagine him not going nuts looking at me. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. Messing up over and over and over again. Doing the same sin over and over and over again. Are you being a peacemaker? See, all these things are matters of the heart. When our heart is transformed by the grace of God, these actions, these works will be what flows out of you But friends, it takes work. It takes a lot of work to urgency, like move with action out of the indicatives, right? Move with action, with urgency for the worth that you have, for the calling that you've been called to. Can you flip back to that seesaw diagram again? So we have the comforts of the gospel. This is on the right side, right? The comforts of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, all the things that we've been given. 
See, the danger, the arrow going down there through antinomianism is the danger. Antinomianism is a long, big monster word. See if you can say it, kids. Antinomianism. All right, it's a, long, it's a tongue twister of sorts. But when you sink down into the comforts of the gospel and just rest there, that's the thing that you will struggle with. You will begin to abuse grace. You'll abuse it. You'll take grace and you go, well, God's going to forgive me anyways. I'll just keep doing what I'm going to do. Like, have you ever known knowingly, knowingly knew what, was, what you're about to do and you know that it was a wrong, that you was sinful and you end up doing it anyways? This is the abuse of grace. This is, you, you've, you've known, you've experienced the comforts of the gospel and you still fall into the sin. You still abu- you abuse it. This is the antinomian. This is the dangers of only having one side of the gospel. The, comfort, the comforts of the gospel. We need both sides. So we need to push down that side to te- teeter this thing up. But the danger is if you teeter that thing too far and you sit in the call side, and this is why we have to start in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Because if you just go to chapter 4, in the call side, you'll end up legalistic and self-righteous. Because you know what? A lot of these things we can do. I don't walk in humility. I'm super humble. Are you? If you are claiming humility, you may not be humble. Right? So we fall into self-righteous and legalistic. And so we need an equal, a robust and equal balanced gospel where we have the comfort or the wealth and the call of Jesus Christ to go as sons and daughters and live as followers of him. See, the call side, our tendency will be to live that self-righteous and legalistic way. And we do this more and more now, more than ever, really, don't we? Like this is a time where we fall deep into self-righteousness and legalism. I started off with talking about masks and different things, and and we we are so legalistic and self-righteous right now as a people. And it goes both ways, right? How come that person's not wearing a mask? How come they're not doing the thing? Yet I sped to get here. I broke a mandate of the law. By, to get to church just in order to point someone else out. Like we live a hypocritical life constantly. And it goes both ways. See, we legalistically govern one another because we don't want to do something or want people to do what we have determined to be true. See, our hearts are evil and deceptive. Whether we live abusing grace or act in self-righteous ways, we all fall short of God's glory, like every one of us. It says in Romans 3.10 that no one is righteous, not even one. No one's good. Only God is good, and God is good alone. No one is righteous, not even one. And for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need the comforts of the gospel. We need Jesus coming down to save us from our penalty of sin, to shed his blood on the cross, his perfect life, his perfect death, and his perfect resurrection, giving us great hope, now giving us a call to live as the church. 
to live as a church, to love one another, to outdo one another in our love, to hate evil, to hold fast to what is good. So how we walk? With urgency, with the worth of Jesus Christ and the call of unity. The manner we walk? With humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and seeking that bond of unity through Christ and through the spirit of peace. Why do we do this? We'll look at the last couple verses, verses 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is a ton there. There's a ton there. Why do we walk? Because God walked this way. And we are called to imitate him as his children. That's why I want to train up the dads here. We've got Bible studies coming. We've got community groups coming. I want nothing but you fathers, you dads, you young boys to become men. To walk as men so that your kids will imitate you just as we are called to imitate the Father. This is what we're called to. This is how we are to walk because God has come in a triune God perfectly unified through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see this in this text. And we're unified through Jesus Christ coming and baptizing, dying for our sin, coming up alive in Christ so that we can, count, can now symbolize in, in, to what he has done for us, to walk in the newness of what Jesus has done. This is why we walk. So friends, may we live in the comforts of the gospel. We may never forget this. And may we strive with urgency the calls of the gospel. Can we do this as a church? Can we make what we can imagine come true? It's on all of us. It's on all of us. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your grace and uh, your love for us. And Jesus, I thank you that you've given us works to accomplish, works to do. And some of this is to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, to walk in patience, to walk in love with one another, and to walk in your spirit. You've, you've, you've done the hard work. You've created us into be, become a temple that you might be able to indwell us so that we can now go and actually fulfill these imperatives that you've gifted us, gifted us to. And so I just pray, Lord, that you, you will empower us, that you will revive us as the church, that we'll love one another with a deep love, and that these kids will all fall deeply in love with you because of the actions that we're practicing. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.